Alright, welcome everybody to the first actual episode of Bustin' Balls Podcast with your host, me, Roger Ramos. This is so exciting and I'm so stoked to finally get back into this. Um, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today, uh, mainly just uh, getting to know me and my parents a little bit to kind of give you an idea of where I come from. And then uh, a little bit about what is going on now in my life. And hopefully by the end of this, we'll all have a better understanding of who your actual host is. So without further ado, let's cue the intro. Instead of fading out, we're just going to cut it off right there. Real nice and sweet little jam. That was um, me and my friend Joe Alley playing uh, in a old recording studio. We recorded that on tape, actually, which was pretty pretty cool at the time. And um, if you want to look up that song, there's one attached to it as well before that song. It's just uh, R.T. Ramos and Joe Alley freestyle. Uh, on Kevin McElvain's SoundCloud. So if you use SoundCloud, cool. If not, you know, whatever. So to start off, I just want to talk a little bit about the previous podcast that I had started that kind of went into the shitter. The way that I had started it off originally was basically me bringing friends over super late at night while we were drunk after playing pool all night, and we would just kind of talk about um, what, how we'd met and what had gone on that night. And it was just not the best thing. Like we were way too drunk. So that didn't work at all. The fact that it was late meant that we were tired and kind of yawning throughout. I mean, I'm doing this at 7 PM right now and I'm actually pretty tired. So we'll see how this goes. Hopefully there won't be any yawning anyways. Um, we didn't really prepare for them at all. Like, I had questions for these guys planned out, but once I started trying to get them to answer the questions and it just got off topic, I was, like, cutting them off, trying to get them back on course, and it was just really bad hosting on my part. I did a couple solo episodes where I just I was trying to record after a loss and trying to talk through it a little bit, a uh, loss in pool playing, and... I just sounded so bummed out and it was just a terrible, terrible way to start things off. There was a point where I started trying to do rap lyrics on them and I'm pretty sure they would get flagged and taken down, if anything, at this point. But it was just really stupid and kind of silly. It was something I really wanted to do. I still really want to do it, obviously, because here I am, but... It was just a little too eager and forced, and uh, now we're planning on doing things a little bit more, you know, educated and uh, with a little bit more um, just uh, structure, is what I was trying to say. 
Um, I only had one microphone, so I was trying to do it with one microphone, passing the microphone back and forth, and that was a terrible idea. If you hear my dog, she's whining in the background. I'm sorry about that. She's totally fine. She has food and water. She just, I don't know, doesn't get enough attention, I guess, huh, Luna? But, of course, we, we went on a little run today, and she's already trying to get me back out. Um, so, yeah. I was basically just a bad host, and I was asking the wrong questions and cutting people off at the wrong times. And if you go back onto YouTube and listen to those, it's under the same name as this podcast still, but I'm not posting up to YouTube anymore. You can tell that it just wasn't uh, a very good start to a podcast like I want this to be. So this podcast, however, will be more about kind of my mental health, uh, competitive mindsets as pertaining to pool, and it'll be applicable to most anything you're doing that is kind of competitive or solo competitive. There are some team aspects to it, but it's mostly going to be, you know, solo competitions and stuff like that, as well as like the headspace that you really need to get into when you're dealing with these things, because throughout all these situations that I'm going to be talking about in the future. It'll be very beneficial to you or anyone else to have kind of like a more competitive mindset and headspace into going into this stuff. Luna, go later. Go, go, go on. Yeah, we're keeping all that in. We're not cutting any of that stuff out. So we're also going to be talking about, at least in this podcast, I don't know how much it's going to come up in the future, kind of my personal problems with competition as well as like things from my childhood that I think kind of play a part in that kind of stuff and maybe um, you'll be able to relate to it. If not, um, I'm sure there will still be something you can kind of take away from these situations and really just how to become a better person and improve your mental state because mental health is so huge and I think it's very important that if you're not doing work on yourself that you're at least listening to someone who either is or knows about these things and can kind of help help you through uh, some of the processes because it's so easy to get stuck and um, complacent about you know some of these little little things minutia and something as simple as doing deep belly breaths is something I learned recently when you have high anxiety can make a world of a difference when you're at work or like say you're at a competition and you just need to chill out and calm down. Just take a couple deep belly breaths and um, it makes a world of a difference. I don't really know the science behind it. Uh, I could look it up, but I'm not going to. Just know that it really helps and that's just one simple thing I can think of off the top of my head right now. So enough about me, or at least like what this podcast is going to be about. Uh, let's We're going to kind of get into my parents a little bit. Because I think it's important to kind of understand where you're coming from when I'm saying all this bullshit about myself. And maybe... Um, if you're someone who had similar parents to this or anything that like a childhood that resembles mine at all that you know you can learn that this kind of stuff is overcomable at least for me right now we're dealing with a whole bunch of 
issues uh, worldwide with um, with Black Lives Matter and um, the coronavirus, and so um, I'm sure that where I'm coming from, and I'm only saying this because of the whole situation that we're in, is coming from a privileged place. I know that growing up where I did in Arizona, it's a predominantly white neighborhood. I think I've only had one black neighbor, and um, it's just crazy to think about. I won't say how easy it is because I'm still struggling to, you know, be successful, but how easy it is to find a situation where I'm employed and able to go out and do things without any harassment or anything like that. So just remember that and then take everything I say with a grain of salt because all this stuff, it just pertains to my life really. And as much as I want it to help you, I'm sure that there's a ton of you out there who if you're even listening, I'm, yeah, I'm getting self-conscious already about the people who aren't going to be listening to this, but um, I just hope, I hope it helps, but chances are, I mean, none of this is going to really pertain to you, so um, my mom, we'll start with my mom, ladies first, um, she was, she grew up abused and physically and mentally, her dad was brutal um, physically on her brother and her just kind of, um, I don't really know the extent. I just know that it wasn't easy growing up for them in that aspect. Like if they were messing around or doing something stupid, they would, you know, sometimes catch hands and stuff like that. So her mom was also kind of rough on them, uh, mentally just, constantly kind of putting them down or uh just being a real jerk I guess I don't really know how to say that because honestly she hasn't really opened up too much about this and I could completely have it all wrong I just know that she came from a house that was very very hard on her and um that led her to become like because her both her parents were raging alcoholics, and so she went down that path of alcoholism as well. And she had me when she was 40. She had uh, her first daughter, my oldest sister, step or uh, yeah, stepsister, when she was probably 20. And then had my second oldest sister when she was uh, about. 34 and then I, I basically only have sisters my next uh, sister to that was when she was 36 and then she had me when she was 40 I'm getting those numbers wrong but basically she had a ton of kids and was an alcoholic basically from the time she was 20 to uh, when she had me, which is about the time that she kind of got sober is when she had me, but there's still, like, I have a picture of her just completely slaughtered drunk with me in her stomach. You could see her pregnant belly just on stage singing karaoke, doing, you know, her thing in the middle of the woods, which is what people did in the 90s, I guess. You just 
camping and drunk karaoke. I don't know what the heck they were doing, but she got better from that. When she had me, she stopped drinking, and then her and my dad broke up because of reasons I'll get into later when I talk about my dad, but they broke up, and she was doing okay for a little bit, wasn't really doing much on the mom aspect for me because she was dealing with all these things with my dad so I was kind of neglected my um the sister two years apart from me that's why I'm saying I got those numbers wrong was uh also kind of neglected a little bit and then the one eldest to her was physically abused by my dad as well as um, as well, just screamed and screamed and screamed at by my mom. That was kind of like um, a mirror image of what her child would child life was like when she was. She's had a brain fart there when she was growing up. So it's just crazy to see how things repeat themselves like that. My oldest sister had apparently a great situation going on where there was always food on the table they were really strict on her but I mean either really strict or really lax I feel like you're still getting kind of the same um crappy childhood it's, I I think the best parenting is just kind of a nice happy medium of strictness and leisure but obviously I haven't had kids yet so you know, I'm only 24 I haven't said that yet but we haven't got to me yet. So after after the whole alcoholic thing, she kind of got over that. But then started getting into crystal meth when I started playing soccer. Um, when I was around twelve, ten 10 or 12. Or 10 or 11, I think. I started playing soccer. And she met a lady through my soccer team actually one of the other moms was into crystal meth and started doing that with her on occasion which grew into her kind of finding her own hustle and started selling to her even which was crazy at the time obviously I didn't know about it at all and when my friends moms would bring it up outside of soccer I would like completely deny it even though they somehow totally knew I think it was one of her friends that she had met outside of soccer as well who had been known to be doing crystal meth was her friend at that point and so all of like my friends growing up's parents had just known about it and it was just kind of crazy to think about how, like, I was living at my friend's house a lot because they were trying to keep me out of this house as much as possible. And because she was trying to take care of herself and do all this shit on her own while we were growing up. We basically just had to kind of figure out our own thing. Me and my eldest sister would just kind of had to fend for ourselves so we stayed the night at people's houses a lot and just tried not to be as home as much as possible the sister old Jesus, so hard to talk about these people without using names but my 
oldest sister who was with my dad because my mom's first daughter wasn't with my dad her second daughter was she was moved out of the house when she turned 16 I believe and after that it was just me and my sister living at the house and my mom wasn't really making dinners she I remember hearing her one time say to a friend like oh yeah they just kind of find snacks in the house throughout the day and they just kind of snack and it's like yeah of course we were snacking like you're not making dinner <laughs> so like we just kind of found shit throughout the house and would go and buy snacks and stuff like that at Circle K and now I gotta let my dog out cause she's being a pain Okay, I guess not. So, that was kind of rough on my mom's side. I didn't think I was going to go into this as much as possible, but eventually my mom got cleaned up from doing meth, and we kind of started fixing that whole home situation slowly but surely, and now she wants to go back out again I don't understand this dog at all but it was just that was hard in itself because my dad wasn't there obviously they had broken up um, after basically we had moved to Arizona so I was like one when we moved to Arizona from Virginia because he had gotten dishonorably discharged from the military because of accusations with my the sister that my mom had had without him um being a predator and smoking weed with her and doing all this stuff so they moved to uh, his grandparents house which is in Arizona and after probably two or three years they had actually separated after getting the house that I live in today and um, he basically was homeless for a while and just kind of took off because my mom didn't want anything to do with him. He had nowhere else to stay. I'm pretty sure his mom wanted nothing to do with him. So that's kind of sad in itself, but he had kind of dug this shitty hole for himself and still denies all this stuff to this day, which is crazy to me. I still keep in contact with him every once in a while because I wasn't you know first like affected firsthand but I think um I carry some of that with me today still just like the the guilt and the grief that came along with the fighting and all this stuff that has gone on with my sisters and him which is crazy I mean it's just nuts thinking about how like my dad could have been there I think and I don't really blame him, except obviously for doing the stuff he did with my sisters, but it's just a terrible, terrible thing, um, and I feel so bad for them, and I think I'm affected by it somehow, even though I don't think anything happened to me that I know of, um, it's just so fucked up that it still sits with me, and I think about how... 
I could be, you know, some kind of uh, predator deep down. I don't know. It's just it's a weird mental strain, and that's kind of why I'm in therapy right now, talking through all this shit because it is so fucked up. But um, so about me now, because yeah, I talked way too long about my mom. I mean, she's really my main um, like supporter in life even though those beginning years were so rough, you know, it's gotten a lot better now, and we kind of share 50-50 on, well, I wouldn't even say 50-50, she probably does a lot more than I do around the house, and with making meals and stuff like that, so it's gotten a lot better, but I wouldn't say everything is perfect or peachy keen, she just finally got another job working at Walmart, so, and she, because she had been unemployed for since the time she started doing meth, I guess, and that was all rough. She was getting all the support from her dad and um, the state, obviously, and that was paying her more than a regular 9-to-5 would, and she still gets some of those benefits, but she only works part-time, so there's, you know, the whole scare of that kind of uh, going away if she works too many hours or anything like that i don't know why i'm even talking about this um so to me i'd say uh growing up around older kids was kind of my go-to because the kids that i had grown up and the kids that i was staying the night at uh at their houses overnight they were just terrible bullies to me like um one kid's a cousin would come over to his house and it was just us three and they would start like throwing rocks at me because they were bored or like until I would leave crying they would be throwing rocks at me or like just mental mental abuse constantly even my sisters would fuck with my head all the time and there was one time where I was standing on a bed and I don't know why I had a like the metal thing from a ceiling fan in my mouth, like the pull string in my mouth. I was standing on a bed, and this kid just ran up to the bed, jumped on it, knowing that it was going to fuck me up and chip my front tooth, which I guess it could have been a lot worse than just chipping my front tooth, but it was just so painful and terrible. Um, So I grew up around older kids after I had kind of realized that that's not Like, the easiest way out of that situation was to just not be their friends anymore. Which was super hard to do because they were really all I had. And, like I said, it was like the home away from home. So, but it just wasn't where I belonged. And they kind of grew apart anyways, got into their own situations and started smoking cigarettes and uh, biking and... I was into biking, but not to the extent that they were, and just kind of like the bro community, I wasn't really into all that, especially being the smaller kid, like I was like 73 pounds, 5'4", in 7th grade, probably even shorter, I don't know exactly how short I was, but just the tiniest little kid, so it was easy to pick on me, and I didn't have, you know, anyone to teach me self-defense or anything like that. So after I realized that I just need to not be hanging out with these kids in junior high, 
I've met a decent group of older kids at a Magic the Gathering store, which was literally right across from my house. I don't know how I even came across this place, but that was probably my second home away from home, even though I, I couldn't stay the night there or anything like that. I would just spend hours and hours and hours there when uh, my mom was kind of dealing with this whole meth situation, and I would talk to all of those kids while they were out back smoking cigarettes for the most part but then I later found out that they were all smoking weed too and I was still so young so they weren't like offering it or anything like that and I wasn't even interested at that point but it wasn't soon after to where I had found a friend through a girl who had weed at his house and was offering to smoke there and since I had seen all these kids doing it and kind of was more interested in it I said yeah sure I'll I'll do that and it was this big ass one gallon gravity bong that I took a rip from and filled up the entire gallon jug of smoke and I don't think I took the whole thing but it was just this complete destruction and destroyed my lungs and I probably got the highest I've ever been. I was just, like, sitting in the couch. I remember in, like, right next to the gravity, like, I hadn't made it too many steps. I think I had told the girl that I was talking to that, um, like, I'm really high. <laughs> like, I walked up to her, and her friend was like, I'm super high, and then just walked back in and sat on the couch. And then they came in, I think, and actually tried it as well, which I think it was probably their first time, too. But... I just remember sinking like into the couch and feeling like I was just falling forever like the euphoric feeling of just like completely like weightlessness but I'm going downwards like this endless elevator shaft not really like seeing colors or anything because my eyes were closed so it was pretty dark but then I like came to after a little bit and I remember the movie that we were watching was like almost over and I was like what the heck just happened like I completely went like unconscious or fell asleep for I don't know 30 45 minutes and then I got up and we were kind of hanging out for a while and then at a certain point I was so tired still like I but my mouth was so dry so I turned on the faucet to their main sink and just kind of put my head under the faucet and was drinking straight from the faucet for some reason I don't it wasn't the nicest cleanest house so they didn't really have like nice water to begin with otherwise I'm sure I would have just been drinking a bottle of water but I'm drinking from the faucet and I fell asleep with the faucet running into my mouth and <laughs> I came to just choking on a bunch of water it was just the dumbest shit ever and I was way too high for being way too young. I think that first time I smoked, I was probably 12 years old. And it was just way too much. And so I don't think I ever smoked after that for probably six months to a year. And was just kind of scared of it and didn't want any part of it. But then my sisters, older friends, because I was basically just hanging out with people older than me now. And then... Uh, people from the magic shop started kind of uh, getting more comfortable around me with, when I turned like 13, 14. And I remember smoking with my sister's friends for the first time 
which was like super my sister hated the idea the entire time she never wanted me to get anywhere near it you know, like thank god for her um even to this day uh i recently quit but she was always trying to get me to stop still even though she was smoking which was super weird but at that time i was just so young that it makes sense like they would say like no don't give it to him but all of her friends were like oh, he'll be fine you know all this stuff and so eventually I ended up smoking with them and that's kind of when I started really liking it and I would get that same euphoric feeling where I was like falling but I would just go and lay in my bed and kind of enjoy it until I fell asleep and then I would pass out and wake up feeling super tired but just really relaxed. I, I really liked that feeling of just being completely relaxed and just not having to think about anything else. That was all you could really think about when you're in that like sort of trip is that just super focused on, you know, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. Like that whole, you know, mindset you get into, it's just so crazy. Um, and then at high school, I was hanging out with older kids there too. Obviously my sister's friends, um, they all knew me and, I wasn't really hanging out with them, but the older kids at high school that I had met were kind of like the stoner types, and I just kind of gravitated towards them, and that was that was nice because most of them were uh, sober, so it wasn't like um, I was being like subjected to that even more, but at the same time, like, I started bringing around them, and I feel terrible for that, because it was, like, introducing all these kids to smoking, and now they're all smoking to this day, and, you know, that's never a good feeling, but in high school, I kind of got into drumline, because soccer wasn't really going anywhere, I was in cross country as well when I was younger, and that, I felt like I wasn't going to be the fastest, especially now that I was smoking, like, my lungs just had no fucking capacity it was it was insane to see how good at running I used to be and then how shitty I got at it um so drumming oh there's a yawn I was swimming today and it's hot as shit it makes sense that I'm tired but it was just crazy that um like, it was such a reprieve to be like, oh, there's no running involved with drumming, and it's, like, super, something that came pretty natural to me because my dad was a drummer, and I had quit three other instruments leading up to this because in elementary and junior high, they don't just let you play drums for whatever reason. It was, I thought it was the dumbest thing ever, but once you get to high school, you can just join drumline, and that was kind of like a saving grace for me. I, it was only really nice because my mom was able to pay for lessons. Oh my gosh, my dog is such a punk. Um, and before that, we weren't, like, able to pay for anything. Like, I wasn't going to join a traveling soccer team. I wasn't getting, like, the nicest shoes or anything like that. It was just kind of bare bones, everything. And then when we got into drumline and I really showed that I was going to be dedicated to that, they started uh, supporting me. That way, like, I was um, I was getting money from my grandpa to take drum lessons. My mom was helping me. And I really took to that. I met 
another father figure, which I have had many in my life because my dad wasn't there. So there was Brett Fredrickson, these guys from the magic shop really helped me grow up and all these people that really kind of shaped me into like seeing like being a man and what was crazy about Brett was that he was just so politically driven about everything everything had to do with conservative politics and how shitty the left was the left this the left that it was just the most interesting thing in the world he's now passed and you know rest in peace Brett Fredrickson I, I love you forever but geez Louise it was just the craziest and funniest thing, you know, to listen to him preaching to a bunch of high school kids about things that we really didn't know much about. And I'm sure that that was kind of his point was to really educate us. But it was just such a funny, he was such a funny guy and a really good, genuine hearted person who, um, really showed me a lot about being man and they were so generous and open with their house I was able to go over there like every day after school because that's where the drum lessons I was taking were and they would offer for me to stay and eat dinner with them or they would invite me to their parties that they would have at their house or the one time that they went snowboarding they invited me and that got me into snowboarding it's just very genuine and one second this dog okay Sorry about that. I had to give you a little tunage this time. I couldn't just uh, leave you hanging like that. So, let's see. Um, yeah, that got me into snowboarding, and that was a lot of fun. I really took to that. I haven't really gone a whole lot, but I just love that whole situation. It's something the first time that scared the shit out of me, and ever since then I've kind of been able to conquer it and... Like, I'm scared of heights, so even being on the lift, oh my goodness, even being on the lift was, like, something that was so challenging for me, because just looking down, I'm, like, scared out of my shit, and, um, god, it's just so nuts, uh, I remember the first time I went up, I got stuck, it was just this thick-ass powder, like, two feet of just powdered snow, and so they told me at the top of the mountain, like, you just really got to stay on top of this because if you get sideways at all, you're just going to dig in, fall, and not really be able to get up. And so my thinking was, if I fall, I'm not going to be able to get up. Sure enough, I get probably 30 feet down the mountain. Everyone blows past me. No one really stays back. Now I know if there's someone new with the group, you just have to stay behind them and make sure that they make their way down. But at the time, they didn't give a shit. They were trying to have fun their first run. And so they get down, and I fall probably 30 yards from the top, and I'm just in this thick-ass powder. And every time I try to get back up and go, I get deeper into the side of the mountain where it's thicker and thicker and thicker. And there came a point where I was just like, well, I can't move. I can't get up. And I'm super frustrated, like spitting angry, like, God damn 
damn it, why can't I do this? I was just so fucking pissed. And I, like, completely lost all control of my body. Thought I was basically dead in the water. And then I realized, because the mountain was completely quiet at that point, I realized that eventually someone was going to come back down. And so whether it be my friends or a random person, I'm just going to kind of yell and scream. Hopefully they don't have their headphones in to try to get someone to pull me out, which I did. Eventually someone did pull me out. My pants are just soaked with my piss because I pissed my pants. I was so scared. And like this guy pulls me out. I get back to the center of the mountain a little bit. It's still powder though. I have no idea how to snowboard still. And so I get, I get off and do the exact same thing where I just start falling left, left, left. I'm going because I had, they had taught me some things about snowboarding to where like I knew to go sideways and then kind of arch back, but it wasn't enough to get me, you know, like actually down this mountain. And so I just kept finding myself in this left side of the mountain until finally one of the guys that was actually in our group who was like a professional snowboarder, he's just like a phenomenal snowboarder, um, came down, found me because no one knew where I was and just showed me like two or three things that made the world of a difference and I was able to make it all the way back down. I basically got to the bottom of the mountain unstrapped the boots or unstrapped the board and just walked into the lodge to warm up because my entire body was frozen all of my clothes were soaking wet pissing my pants just the fucking the whole nine felt like I was completely done for the day and I sat in the lodge for probably two hours just trying to warm up and finally I was like I gotta fucking get back out there because he had taught me like a couple of things that really made getting back down the mountain easy at that point. And they were all telling me that the powder's not, it's like subsided a little bit now that a bunch of people have gone down. And so it should be easier than it was uh, to just stay on top of it. And so I didn't really have that fear anymore. So I went back up. And at that point, it was just like night and day difference and how much fun I was having. It was a complete blast. And I just thank that family for really taking me on that adventure because now I have something that I can do um, just whenever it's winter season because in Arizona you only get really one season to snowboard and it's pretty short. But it was just one of the best experiences I had ever had even though it started off so terrible and scary. It ended in this amazing, you know, like... Um, a learning experience and overcoming fear that just completely changed my mindset on the entire whole, like, in the entire thing. It sucked because the car ride back, I'm sure I just smelled like piss. I couldn't really tell, but everyone was sitting, like, real snug and close to me, but no one said anything, so that was nice. I'm sure it would have been nice if I had cleared the air and just been like, sorry, I smell. (laughs) Yeah, no one was saying anything. It was really nice, but they were really nice anyways and um yeah it's unfortunate that brett's no longer with us because i would love to go back up and do that kind of stuff with him um but anyways um so after drumline and stuff i had i had a ton of fun doing that that was like another you know entire experience in itself i had kind of found myself in drums and 
figured out, you know, ways of uh, pushing myself that I didn't know that I had before where in cross country and drumline or cross country and soccer, I had learned like tricks to getting better at running, but I had never learned how to push yourself past um, like plateaus of skill level so I would get to a certain point in running and just be like well this is how good of a runner I am and I would just kind of stay at that level or with soccer I would get to a certain point and just stagnate and completely not be able to get any better I would think that the other kids were way better than me and I had no way of doing it um and it was just kind of a bummer for a long time until I found drums and realized that there was ways of getting better that like whether it be through competition or just solid solid practice that you could because I would never really put time into running or soccer that I did drumming and when I realized that you could just kind of sit in your room and practice this thing for hours on end that it really showed and the kids that were practicing were getting phenomenal and the kids that weren't practicing were falling off and luckily I was one of the kids that kept to it I still wasn't the best at my high school by any means but I was still I had a leg up and really learned how to push myself past comfort I mean my hands are fucked up still to this day but I mean, that's probably for a plethora of reasons, but I know that it started with drumline because I remember one time telling Brett, like, my wrists hurt, my hands hurt, because um, I've been playing, you know, two, three hours a day after school, not even, like, in school, and he would just say, yeah, you got to play more and build up those muscles, <laughs> and... It's definitely not what I should have been doing, but it's it's a lot better now. I, I do hand stretches and stuff like that, but I don't know. It's like an early carpal tunnel for a high school kid or early onset carpal tunnel, and I was just told to push through it basically, and so I'm pushing through this pain while I'm practicing the whole time, and it just kind of opened my eyes to like this whole kind of like David Goggins uh, look on life which I obviously didn't know who he was at the time but just not being a pussy basically like Brett would be so fucking misogynistic and call us girls and stuff like that all the time but what it, it was just not being weak you know like just because you feel weak doesn't mean that you are weak you're stronger than your mental state is and you can push through that and it was just these little breakthroughs that I would keep having and the friends I was building that really made Drumline, like, so special to me. And it's sad because I didn't even get to play my senior year because of trouble I had gotten into with girls where um, they would tell someone that, I was playing or messing with them when they didn't want to be played with and it was just terrible terrible experience and this is why I think that I have some of that stupid shit from my dad is just that 
I would push boundaries farther than they had needed to go in desperate need of like a woman's attention. And I don't know how we got onto that so quickly, but it is just something that got me kicked off a drumline and was the worst. I have um, I have a ton of regrets with that, but at the same time, it kind of led me to one of my first relationships that was really nice that I eventually ruined. And it was just a terrible situation where... I uh, I was just not the best guy to her and would get really frustrated at stupid little things and just didn't really see the person that was in front of me and took advantage of the fact that I was in college at that point and she was still in high school after the first year and was just a dumb idiot and again a ton of regrets there. Um, so I started community college, um, and working at Fry's Electronics part-time, which was pretty cool. I was getting my degree in communication. Um, my sister moved out though, and probably two or three years into my degree, I had to get a full-time job and having a full-time job and working or, and going to school was something that seemed so out of reach at the time. Now, I still haven't gone back to school, but now it seems like something that could have been very doable. Like, I could have just signed up for classes at a certain time, but the communication degree that I was getting required me to be there in the morning, and this job was in the morning that I was offered, and so I figured I would just drop it and then come back to school later. And... I still to this day I think it's been three years since then and I haven't gone back to class but I do plan on finishing that degree at least getting my associates because I was so close I think I only had like one or two classes that I needed to do and uh, it's just sad to say that when I got that close to that degree I wasn't in this part of my life where I realized like how hard you really need to push and now I have that mindset of I can really do anything. And that all kind of came along with pool. Pool has taught me a ton that of like life lessons and all this shit that has kind of progressed the whole um, David Goggins mindset. And I say David Goggins mindset because if you don't know who he is, he's just such a badass and so inspirational. And if you think you're weak... you you're not and you can push through basically any circumstance or any situation and come out ahead or at least be the person you want to be one of his famous quotes is if uh if you don't like your story rewrite it or you know something like that like just if you don't like where you are in life change it change something and things will get better eventually and so my sister moved out had to get a full-time job I started working at this oil lab, which I still work at today, so we're three years in the past now at this point. We've kind of gone quickly, but we're already coming up on an hour. Um, I get this job with a ton of crazy, awesome people, and I start playing pool, so I meet even more ton like nice, great people who aren't surrounded by the life of like drugs and drinking and... Well, the people at pool obviously are surrounded by drinking, but they weren't smoking weed as much. 
and it was just a nice reprieve from you know the people I had grown up with through high school because I wasn't even hanging out with my the people that were in my grade and then the people that were older than me that I was hanging out with from high school had all kind of moved on and done their own thing needless to say I wasn't really liked that much in high school after my sister had left but um that whole situation kind of helped me get over my ex because I was dead in the water thinking that I was never going to find anyone again and then sure enough after a couple years at ALS I just recently met this amazing beautiful girl who for whatever reason likes me um and she's just been the best thing that could have ever happened to me because not only has she helped me get sober, but she also has helped me with a ton of problems that I've had with previous exes that have always kind of made me feeling guilty. Obviously, I still feel guilt, but like knowing that I'm not going to repeat those mistakes with her because she is so mature, helps my mental so much. It's insane. Um, oh, that was basically all of my notes. Um, I'm sure I skipped a couple things, but it's it's been a wild ride, and I'm so happy to finally be doing this podcast again. I have no idea what I plan on talking about in the future now that I'm done talking about me. Um, the original first episode that I had recorded ended with a spiel on pool and kind of a lesson I had learned in pool, but I think an even more important lesson that I've kind of talked about today, at least for me, that was so beneficial is if you have a weak mindset or you think you're not going to amount to anything growing up or even in your 20s and 30s that... All of that can be changed. You can change your life right now because I've started doing it. And again, this could very well come from you know, a privileged standpoint, but just physical and mental health. I'm not even talking about financial at all because that's a whole other beast and something that I have no business talking about. But I'm sure if you change these these things, mental and physical health, that I'm, I'm sure a job will come along with it, a great job that'll get you where you need to be. Because I'll tell you, just changing the mental stuff uh, but before getting the job at ALS as well as in the job at ALS, because I thought that that whole thing was going to fall apart, has like completely changed the trajectory that I'm on because before working at um working at Fry's Electronics I was never planning on moving up there I was always kind of like the bottom of the totem pole I showed up late to work all the time wasn't the most reliable employee and would I wasn't professional really at all. I was always a jokester, even in high school and uh, all throughout elementary school and junior high. I was always the guy, the class clown, just trying to be Mr. Funny Guy and get people's attention and do all these things. 
and it's just so silly because what I've realized more recently is that you can find time to be silly, but when it comes time to work, you really got to, you know, put your head down and do your shit rather than goof off all day or be late. I don't know why I used to be late all the time. I just, I wouldn't wake up sometimes or I would think the schedule was a different schedule. There's all these stupid little excuses that, especially now having a job that's consistent, like I go to work at the same time every day. I was still showing up late, but I've more recently realized that just getting up earlier and starting a routine earlier and earlier that I can get to work on time, get my shit done, and really just have blossomed into a more professional and productive employee altogether. And so, again... I'll just say this a third time because I think it's so important and what I'm really trying to nail on this episode is that don't get complacent and stuck in a rut. If you're feeling that you can't change or you can't do any of these things, get help. I know it's kind of expensive. There's ways of getting help though that don't involve a ton of money. You can probably YouTube a ton of... uh, helpful advice that might not be personal to you but you can apply it to your life and just gain so much from that and find yourself digging your own path as David Goggins would say and making your own path whereas you know working at a dead-end job like Fry's Electronics can leave you feeling so shitty about life because if this is where I am and you see all these older people working there, I mean, Fry's Electronics is dead now, but this could go for anything like Best Buy or (laughs) just all these electronic stores I'm saying. (laughs) But um, you could find yourself in such a dead end job and just kind of sit there and not really want to progress. And progression isn't really the name of the game. It's just being a better person and finding yourself in these better positions because they'll come to you once you prove to yourself that you are worth it okay so you are worth every second of every minute of every hour that you work at your job okay there's a reason for being where you are and doing what you're doing but all that can change you don't or i shouldn't say all that can change jesus christ it's just something that you have to work on and once once you become the person that you want to be, these other things will fall in line. And so just don't get stuck in these silly situations and these stupid mindsets of I'm never going to grow. I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. There's these lifers here that, you know, I'm just going to be like one of them or something like that. It's just silly, toxic thinking and all you have to do is realize it and then once you realize it you can start making changes so that's really all i have for you guys today thank you so much if you've made it this far i know i'm not the most impressive talker or person to listen to but at least today i had a structure the first episode that i tried recording was not structured at all and just a lot of ums and uh, just stupid shit so again thank you so much guys and uh We'll play it out with a song.
Oh! Joe is so good. I miss playing with this guy.